What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn Collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code AUBURNUNDERCOVER. That's all caps, all one word, AUBURNUNDERCOVER. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast, we are proud to be partnered with Prime Shrimp, a New Orleans-based shrimp company, to offer our listeners some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp in just minutes. These guys have been peeling shrimp since the 40s, and they are excited to offer you guys restaurant-quality shrimp straight to your door in under 10 minutes without the usual mess and fuss. Take the frozen pouch out of your freezer, drop it in a pot of boiling water, and again, it's ready to serve however you want it in 10 minutes. You guys can head over to primeshrimp.com and with promo code Auburn247, all caps, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. Again, that's code Auburn247, all caps, all one word for $20 off your first order. If you don't love it, get your money back. Their flavors include Signature Season, French Quarter Alfredo, Garlic Herb Butter, and the Louisiana Shrimp Boil, which is personally my favorite. I'll tell you guys what I've done three or four times. Grab a loaf of French bread, bake it until it's crispy, get some lettuce, whatever other toppings you want, stuff some Louisiana Shrimp Boil, in there and get yourself a po' boy. It is absurdly good. Get you some frozen French fries, pop them in the oven while you're making it, and it's super easy, super tasty seafood meal in like 20 minutes by the time you're done with everything. Remember, guys, use code AUBURN247, all one word, all caps, $20 off your first purchase at primeshrimp.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody is having a good week. We are continuing our look now at Auburn's 2022 schedule. Coming up this fall, we just, of course, wrapped up a tough two-game road stretch for them going to Georgia and to Ole Miss in week eight is the bye week for Auburn. And then they come back home, a nice spot for their bye week against Arkansas, which they've had a lot of success against in recent seasons, but it's an interesting matchup on both sides. Arkansas gets the bye week before this one as well, so should be a good game in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And uh, to preview the Hogs this season and to give his early thoughts on the Auburn matchup, we are bringing in Mr. Trey Biddy from Hogs 24-7, an expert on the Arkansas Razorback. It was an interesting year last year for Arkansas. Of course, the positive trajectory um, for Sam Pittman just continues 
with this program. Kind of crazy to look at what they've become, um, you know, the depths they reached under Chad Morris versus what where they are now. Um, we'll get into that first, Trey, before we move on um, to what you think about this upcoming team. Just your general thoughts on the 2021 season. I know, I know that it was probably, um, you know, better than most expected. But what did they, what did they impress you with last year? On the whole, what were some areas where um, you think maybe they they could have achieved a little higher, maybe fell short, and just kind of what were your overall impressions of, of 2022 year two for Sam Pittman? Yeah, uh, well, I think first of all, just the culture change that Sam Pittman's brought to Arkansas. That's a word that's probably thrown around, probably overused a lot. But when you look at the roster on this team and, you know, kind of compare it to 2019, 2018 under Chad Morris, like it's difficult to win SEC games. But what are the reasons that you lost to Colorado State, to uh, San Jose State, to North Texas, you know, to Western Kentucky? What are the reasons that you lost to those – you know, to those teams, because there's not a single kid that ever grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, rooting on Western Kentucky his whole, his whole life. When it comes down to it, he's picking an Arkansas offer over Western Kentucky, you know. So the talent issue to me wasn't as big a deal. And I don't even think it was that big of a rebuild. It was just like you got to change the mindset of the players. You got to change the culture at Arkansas. And that's something that Pittman did right away. I thought that Chad Morris lost the team on his introductory press conference or his introductory meeting with the team. Uh, and Sam Pittman was completely the opposite. And that's something that I kind of knew about him just from having covered him at Arkansas when he was an offensive line coach before. So that's been a big part of it. I think just the buy-in with the players, you see how much harder they're they're playing. There's no reason that you should get blown out at home against Western Kentucky. I don't care, you know, who you know, who the team is, you shouldn't be getting blown out at home. And that's no disrespect to Western Kentucky, but there's just a different class of athlete that these two programs are recruiting. So he had some things to shore up, no doubt. The first year, I felt like they could have easily won six games. I felt like there was probably a few missed opportunities there. You asked me about missed opportunities last year. I mean, they went to Oxford, to Ole Miss in a shootout and lost, I think, 52-51. Arkansas went for a two-point conversion with no time left to try to win the game and didn't convert it, so they lost that game. Otherwise, you might be talking about a 10-win team. You know, on the other side, there's games like uh, Mississippi State, which was a very close game in Fayetteville that they were able to win. So I think that's been a big part of it. Obviously, the, the development of K.J. Jefferson, he was a guy that I really liked in recruiting, not so much a guy that came from a quarterback farm that always had a personal quarterback coach next to him. He was a guy that was actually a four-star prospect based largely on his potential. Uh, he had a hitch in his throwing motion, some things he had to correct in that manner. And I think that it's just – for him, it just came along at, a, at the right time. Redshirt sophomore was able to learn from Felipe Franks last year, able to appreciate the different, you know, the changes with coaches and things like that. So that's been a big part of it. Defense played really well last year also. And, you know, looking ahead this year, I guess you'll you'll probably ask me that in, in just a minute. But to answer your question, it's been the culture really more than anything that Sam Pittman has changed. And also, I mean, hey, look at the offensive line. Arkansas I would bet that they had the smallest offensive line in Power 5 football under Chad Morris. For some reason, he wanted a bunch of guys that are 290, 285. And you talk to those guys and the frustration you can hear in their voice, like, you know what, I'm 320 now and I move better or just as well as I did when I was 380 or 285. Uh, so that's been a big emphasis too, just getting bigger. And that's what I noticed about Arkansas looking at them at the spring. You know, it's a big football team. They're fast and they got a lot of experience returning. 
We'll start now with the the quarterback position because this is one of the teams in the SEC that doesn't have a question mark under center. In fact, you could argue second or third best quarterback in the league returning. Um, and KJ Jefferson, almost every person I've had on here previewing Auburn's schedule, whether it's Missouri or LSU or Ole Miss, um, last week the quarterback competitions are, are rampant in the conference. But mm-hmm. Arkansas has some stability there. What is KJ Jefferson looking to do in order to take that next step this season and sort of you know continue to break that ceiling for Arkansas's mm-hmm. offense? It's interesting. Kendall Browse returns as Arkansas's coordinator. Arkansas actually returns all three coordinators. But Kendall Browse returns as coordinator, and this is the first time. He's been a coordinator for a while now at Florida State, Florida Atlantic, Houston, Baylor, a lot of different places. Third year at Arkansas, this is the first time he's had a returning starter at quarterback. He's always had a first-year starter. So uh, this is new territory for him also. With KJ, I look at a guy who's 6'3", 245. He may actually end up slimming down a little bit. That's kind of been something that he's talked about. But he's a guy that will bull over you. He's He likes to send a message with the run. Now, maybe he eases off that because he had to come out of a couple of games last year because of that. But to me, KJ – Started off a little bit slow last year. I remember after the opener Rice game halftime, we're all kind of thinking, man, this isn't a very good start for K.J. Jefferson. And we were expecting a lot more. Second half came out, and I think he had a long touchdown run, really started opening things up. We know what happened against Texas the game after that. I felt like K.J. really, with maybe the exception of the Georgia game, just kept getting better and better each week. And, in fact, he had the second highest – uh, quarterback efficiency rating in Arkansas history next to Brandon Allen. The second highest, his completion percentage was impressive. He only threw, I think, four interceptions, and uh, one of them was a Hail Mary against Ole Miss like right before halftime. Didn't throw a lot of picks last year, high completion percentage, high QB rating, and then add 600-plus rushing yards to that. Arkansas led Power 5 in rushing last year. So I think K.J. takes a step forward from, you know, a leadership standpoint. He's always kind of been that. You ask everybody on the team who's the funniest guy on the team. Most of them will say K.J. Jefferson. So he's kind of got that bond with the team. And so I think just taking another year ahead of, hey, I've got all this behind me. I've been a starter. I think he's probably a good bet to be a captain on this year's team. And uh, I think just kind of progressing in every area. And I think he's kind of eyeing this year. Maybe it's his chance to take it to the next level. Just talking to him. He's, you know, last year he said, yeah, I think I need another year, even though he's just going to be a junior this next year. So I think he's kind of eyeing this as an opportunity to take it to the next level. He's got some things to figure out a little bit on offense. They lose Traylon Burks at wide receiver, who was, uh, I think he went number 16 overall in the NFL draft. So a first round pick at wide receiver. I do think that, Guys, number two through number nine or so on the receiving core, I think it's an elevated group. Uh, I think the talent level is deeper at wide receiver, although more inexperienced than last year. But I think they've got better talent overall. And, you know, they brought in Jaden Hazelwood, who, you know, was the number four ranked player in the country overall out of Oklahoma. Uh, They brought him in. So he should obviously uh, have a nice impact. And they returned four starters on the offensive line, not just starters from last year, but guys who are multi-year starters, guys entering their third or fourth year as a starter. So he's got four guys back like that. they got to figure out the left tackle. I think think they got an interesting battle with Luke Jones and Takias Crawford there. So he's got some protection up front returning. Um, I, I like the running backs who return. Maybe not the cream of the crop at wide receiver that they had, but I think balanced out a little bit better across the board. Yeah, is that is that still going to be the identity of this team, talking about running the ball and the success yeah. they had there? I know there, like you said, some turnover at wide receiver, still some talent out there, but do you expect them still to just be that run-first team? 
Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, they led Power 5 in rushing last year. If you look at Kendall Browse's offense over the years, even when he was at Baylor and they would have, like, the number one offense in the country, still they would – I remember one year they were, like, number one in the country in rushing yards and still in the top 25 in passing yards. And that's kind of been a trend that we've seen uh, everywhere he's been. So I would expect to see Arkansas still produce more rushing yards than passing yards, uh, but still be prolific in both if they had their choice, you know, be top 25 in both. What are the strengths of this defense heading into this season? I know you talked about they return all their coordinators. Barry Odom has been a, a wonderful addition um, mm-hmm. for the staff. He's done a great job so far with the Razorbacks. Bumper pool, obviously that's a huge get for them to be able to come back um, mm-hmm. next season. But what are the strengths in terms of the three levels of this defense? What are they going to be hanging their hat on this year? Yeah, I think that's one area while we see maybe Vegas predicting Arkansas to win six and a half or seven and a half. You see different different lines out there as you look at the defense and you say, well, they only returned three starters. But, I mean, Bumper Pool had 125 tackles last year, and I don't think he started a game. Maybe started one game last year because they, they pretty much just rotated three linebackers evenly. They had two seniors ahead of him. And, you know, he's all SEC last year, but he doesn't count as a starter. Uh, they've got other guys like um, like Hudson Clark or Jalen Catalan. Jalen Catalan played last season with a with an injured shoulder going into it, and then broke his hand, and uh, he was out after about five games last year. Just you know, wasn't effective. But he did things as a freshman that, as a defensive back in the SEC, have not been done since 2007 by Eric Berry at Tennessee, um, you know, having 95 tackles, three interceptions by a freshman defensive back. Uh, I saw him, USA Today came out with their mock draft for two rounds, and he's number 32 overall, uh, last pick in the first round. And a lot of people, I think, are forgetting how dominant a player and how good Jalen Catalan is. Uh, you get Ladarius Bishop back at cornerback. They brought in a lot of – so I, I just to answer your question, I would say – the strength as a defense is their secondary. Arkansas usually uses a 3 2 6. They'll use some 4 2 5 also. But the strength is the secondary with Jalen Catalan, Miles um, Slusher at, at safety. They return a lot of those guys uh, in the defensive secondary. They also went to the transfer portal, brought in Latavius Brini, who started 12 games for Georgia last year. He's, he's in as a grad transfer. So they, they bring in a guy off the national championship team who started the majority of games for them last year. Uh, Dwight McLaughlin uh, comes in from LSU, who's a former four-star, started six games for LSU last year uh, as a redshirt freshman at cornerback. Uh, they brought in Drew Sanders, who was once the number 11th-ranked player overall in the country, who started three games for Alabama last year before an injury and, and ended up losing his job, just stacked at linebacker. And uh, it comes to Arkansas. He's he's going to start for Arkansas. Probably will put up 100 tackles this year if he stays healthy. So brought him in. Uh, they brought in Landon Jackson from LSU, who st- who played a couple games for them last year. Who's coming off of an injury. Six seven, 275 pound defensive end. Uh, Jordan Dominic, who was uh, a prolific, pretty prolific guy at Georgia Tech, started for them. Who comes in as another defensive end. Um, Terry Hampton from Arkansas State. So they really hammered the transfer portal hard. Didn't have to do a whole lot on offense, really just brought in Jaden Hazelwood on that side and Matt Landers at wide receiver. But on defense, you see not just bringing in, you know, guys who might have been highly rated in high school and didn't do much in college, but guys who played at notable programs last year who are going to be sprinkled in here and there to, to help. You know, there are other players when we talk about, you know, not returning a lot of starters, but, you know, Eric Gregory has – probably about 10 starts under his belt, but wasn't primarily a starter last year at defensive end. Isaiah Nichols, I know in 2000 and 2020 started seven games for him out of the 10 games they played, uh, but isn't counted as a starter. They've got a lot of guys who may not have been starters, 
but contributed a significant amount. And then you sprinkle in those transfers. And again, just like I was telling you at the top of the show, to me, this is a group that has a lot of size, top to bottom, a good bit of speed. And what I noticed about them first practice when I went out in spring football, it looked like they have not missed a beat from their outback bowl practice. I think Arkansas has a chance to be a really solid team. Obviously, you need a little bit of luck here and there in this conference. There's no doubt about that. But I think they've got a really good team that's going to be competitive in every game and win most of them. What is it about Odom's defenses since he since he took over at Arkansas that has allowed them to be so successful? And like you said, bringing in Sanders from Alabama, it almost seems like a foregone conclusion that he's going to be nearing triple digits and tackles because they're able to just yeah. do that at that linebacker spot right now. What is it about his system that's allowed them to be so successful? Well, they had three starters at linebacker have 100 tackles last year, two with 100 even, and Bumper Pool had 125. So it's a pretty good bet. Like if you're picking newcomer possibilities, Drew Sanders is a pretty good bet uh, to be on, on those lists. Uh, I think it's just the way he interacts with his players. Obviously, scheme is a big part of it. You know, the, um, I don't know that they blitz a, a whole lot. Uh, they certainly don't get a lot of sacks because they run a three-man front. They really don't put a, a true edge guy out there unless they're in a four-man front. Now, we may see some things different they could do with Drew Sanders, who, you know, at Alabama, he was more of an outside linebacker in their 3-4 defense, more of an edge guy. He'll be more of a, a stand-up linebacker in this defense, but they'll do some things to get him out on the edge also. But I think it's just the the communication that he has with the players, the buy-in. You know, it's kind of the same thing with Sam Pittman. Barry Odom's been a head coach in this conference before. He knows what it takes to win. And uh, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, I, I said this before after the Western Kentucky game, uh, that to me that was a team that had quit on their head coach and quit on their defensive coordinator. Just kind of quit on them, you know. Uh, and – we talk about rebuild and all this stuff, but again, yes, they needed to rebuild. But to me, the talent level on the roster wasn't near as down as what the what the record was showing. Not just not just two and ten back to back years, but getting you know getting their butts kicked and just kind of laying down and taking it. It's what it looked like to me. Um, so they needed a guy to come in, and it's not just Pittman, it's Kendall Browse, it's Barry Odom, you know, to lie to find those guys to bring them in together. And again, culture is an overused word this day and age of college football, but that's just such a big part of what Arkansas has going right now. You talked earlier about some differing win total projections mm-hmm. for this team. We'll get into their schedule now. What do you make of of how this shakes out for them? I know this Auburn game is interesting from both sides because it's a I feel like it's a nice spot for Auburn to come off of. Two straight road games where they, they could very feasibly lose both of them, then come back home. But on the flip side, Arkansas has got a bye week beforehand as well. So they'll be yeah. feeling good about um, that one, too. Just what are what are kind of the spots on this schedule as we look at it here? Mm-hmm. Like you know that, this team and mm-hmm. uh, kind of what what where are you kind of hanging around in terms of a, a win total and a projection for them? Auburn fans listening are going to think I'm crazy, but I could easily see Arkansas winning nine regular season games. And who knows if the ball bounces right. I, I I've, I've really disliked this team before, and I really like them right now. I just, you know, just going over this roster and, and what I saw in the spring, returning to starting quarterback, all of these things. Um, and I predicted them to have, you know, terrible records for. I'm not just like, you know, this homer is going to go out and predict nine, ten wins. I just – I like the schedule for Arkansas, even though it's the SEC. I mean, I think Josh Pate, our buddy, put it really well when talking about Arkansas last year because everybody was freaking out about their schedule. But Arkansas doesn't play a schedule every week. They play one game at a time, you know, and that's how you kind of have to look at it. First three games are very interesting. Um, You know, you've got Cincinnati uh, coming to town who's in the college football playoff. Obviously, they lost a lot. But to me, they they really 
they're a team that's used to winning. You know, they've got a culture really going back to many, maybe a couple of decades now uh, that they've been winning, uh, playing winning football. South Carolina, I think, is on the uptick coming from last year. It would be interesting to see Spencer Rattler, but that game is in Fayetteville, just like the Cincinnati game. And then, you know, you may gloss over that Missouri State game, but that's Bobby Petrino coming back to town. There's a pretty interesting storyline uh, with that game. Obviously, he was fired in disgrace back in, what, 2012 spring. Um and then Texas A&M, Alabama, Mississippi State. Well, that's a tough stretch right there. You, you play a neutral state, uh, neutral site game against Texas A&M. Uh, you get Alabama uh, in Fayetteville. They played Alabama really well to within a touchdown last year. And then uh, the Mississippi State in Starkville. Uh, Arkansas has had their number the last couple of years. Will Rogers is a real, real deal at quarterback. Um, you know, I, 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 could th- I think they could come out two and two in that stretch possibly. But if you, even if you say one and three, you know, that BYU game also, that BYU game is very tricky. You know, when I, when I say two and two, I'm, I'm including that game because like who scheduled this October 15th, you're right in the thick of SEC play. It's right before a bye week, like, and it's in Provo. They've never played BYU. They never played uh, a game in the state of Utah. It's, it's really an interesting spot for that one. So that's kind of a tricky one. But, you know, say they come out two and two or even one and three, they get the bye week, you know, at Auburn. Uh, I think if you ask Sam Pittman, he was, he's going to say that that's probably a game he really regrets from last year because Arkansas came off of a bye week, I believe, last year. Or no, no, they, they got back at home after a tough road stretch. And that's a game where he felt like he really kind of pushed the envelope you know, did things that he wouldn't normally do in that one. And Arkansas came out on the losing end. Uh, But I actually like Arkansas on that one. I just think, and maybe it's me from the outside looking in, but it just seems like there has been quite a bit of turmoil in the offseason with transfer portal and just all the stuff going around with Brian Harson. And who knows how that shakes out by the end of October. Uh, But uh, I'm going to pick Arkansas on that one. Uh, I'm going to pick them against Liberty, LSU, kind of a similar situation. I think maybe it would be better better to get LSU at the beginning of the season than at the end. But, you know, they've got a lot of turnover with their roster too, obviously starting over with Brian Kelly there. Ole Miss in Fayetteville, that was a shootout last year. Obviously, Arkansas lost by a two-point conversion. Then at Missouri, um, I mean, I can see Arkansas competing in every single one of these games. And and right now I'm kind of sitting at nine, maybe give or take. But – uh, I, it would not surprise me to see Arkansas have, you know, a really special year. And, um, you know, but obviously this league's tricky. It's, 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 it's hard to win in the SEC. And uh, you never know. You got to have a little luck. Yeah, I know that you talked about that BYU game. This, this non-conference schedule overall oh, yeah. might be, I mean, this might be the toughest in the SEC if you just yeah. look at all four individual games, like you said, even your FCS opponent there, yeah, Missouri I mean, State is 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 no slouch. Um, yeah, Missouri State was in the college football their well their version of the playoff yeah. in the FCS level, and again the storyline with Bobby Petrino. Obviously, you expect them to take care of business, but that's an interesting storyline mm-hmm. to get Bobby Petrino in for a six o'clock game uh, in Fayetteville for the first time in 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 ten years. So. Uh, that's very interesting. Obviously, BYU was nationally ranked last year. Uh, and then Q Freeze coming back to town with Liberty. Yeah. Liberty's obviously, you know, I mean, they lost their quarterback too, but at Liberty, um, I mean, they've been a pretty strong program too. I don't know if there's you could play any, you know, two games that are that are in as different of places as going one week to Starkville, Mississippi, and then the next week to to Provo, Utah. That's gonna yeah. be uh that's gonna be two Quite very different, different cultures <laughs> coming together there. Um, for an SEC team like like Arkansas to play, um, one more try and then and then we'll uh, and then we'll let you go. 
you you mentioned this Auburn game a little bit, and you and you did a little bit of previewing there. But this is a similar situation to the last episode we did against Ole Miss, where Arkansas, despite some successful seasons, now it's mm. it's been very recent under Pittman. Obviously, Auburn was you know in a better place as a program um, when Chad Morris was there. Um, but they've kind of had a monkey on their back in terms of in terms of this Auburn matchup. Yeah. Now it feels like the trajectory for both programs might be kind of leveling out. And if you're Arkansas, you've got the you know, you've got more stability right now. You've got the returning quarterback. You've got a lot of guys like you talked about returning there on offense as well. Just in terms of the matchup overall, how is this game being viewed by those within the program, by Arkansas fans? We talked to. Tyler Comis last week from from Ole Miss, he said they're you know they're obviously wanting to get this one really badly because they feel like they're above Auburn right now as a program. So this is the year to break that streak. Just kind of what are your general thoughts on on where both these programs are right now and, and how important a win would be for Arkansas in this game, considering they haven't done it since since 2015. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel a lot like that. I feel like this is Arkansas's opportunity to uh, to kind of change the tide in a sense with uh, with Auburn, and it's been. I mean, I guess I went down there in 2012, I guess, and had no expectation of Arkansas beating Auburn and really just kind of took them to the woodshed um, in, in, in Auburn. Uh, that was back, I believe, Kyle Frazier was a quarterback. It's, there's been this such this weird dynamic with Arkansas and Auburn. And, um, you know, with Gus Malzahn growing up kind of as a legendary high school coach in the state and in a lot of ways being forced on Houston Nutt you know, initially to be the offensive coordinator, even though I don't think that's something that Houston not wanted and obviously separated from him. Malzahn goes to Tulsa, ends up at Auburn as OC, Arkansas State for a year, and then back to Auburn uh, as head coach. Um, and it, it almost feels like you created the monster, you know, <laughs> that um, like everything stacked against Arkansas. You got Cody Burns, who's an Arkansan, you know, going there, Kyle Freight, you lose some recruits there, Michael Dyer. And, you know, it's just been this weird – excuse me, this weird situation. And then Brett Bielma, for some strange reason, just kind of like throwing fuel on the fire. Like I'm going to pick Auburn to be our, our hated team, you know, for like out of the blue almost. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of backfired on Arkansas. I mean, if you go back before Gus Malzahn, you look at these two programs and it's like even, you know, on wins losses with these two programs. And then it's just been, now it's just this huge separation. Um, you know, you throw it back to that 2020 game, uh, obviously, Arkansas fans feel extremely robbed, and and they should. I mean, that was, uh, you know, you look in the record book. That's Auburn won the game, you know, and and they did because that's the way it was, <laughs> it was called. But uh, you know, Arkansas fans are furious about that game. They looked at last year like this is the revenge opportunity, and Auburn came in and just yeah. handed it to Arkansas. Um, so I would assume Arkansas still looks at that, you know, as uh, as this is an opportunity to maybe set things straight in, in a way and. You know, just from the outside looking in, obviously, you know, you and probably Auburn fans obviously, too, know more about the situation I do. But, you know, we're looking at it. We're seeing like, you know, it seems like they want to get rid of Brian Harson. You know, it seems like there's uh, just seems like a lot of turmoil there. And, you know, I think Arkansas is looking at their situation, feels a lot more stable, a lot more positive energy. And um, I, I think they probably view this as an opportunity to go down to Auburn and um, and take one from them. Yeah, I think that was a media day's moment, wasn't it, between Malzon and and Bielema for yeah. something kind of shooting it, it across like out of the blue. It was like, what, where's this coming from? And like, Gus was the kind of guy where it probably took him a little bit to re like he didn't even really realize what was happening at first. And then yeah. after a few hours at at media days, he was like, oh, he's he's taking shots, taking yeah. shots. Well, there was him. a weird thing too. Like Bielema one day says uh, before they're playing Auburn, he says something about Auburn leaving out. Uh, 
footage of a play from the game film that they sent. You know, you have to send game film to each team, and it's this picket fence deal on a kickoff. Uh, and Bielma brings it out and makes it a public deal, and uh, that's not like something you would normally do. Uh, and then in the game, I don't know if you remember, Arkansas runs a picket fence <laughs> before a field goal, and then Bielma tried to act like that was just that was nothing that it wasn't like gamesmanship or anything, but it's totally what it was. It's, it was kind of weird. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, hopefully, well, we're recording this just uh, just a little bit over a week from media day. So, uh, well, actually, it'll it'll start in in a yeah, week. Monday. Yeah. I'm thinking about Auburn's day. Um, so yeah, Arkansas Wednesday. We'll, mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Auburn's always the last day for some reason. So maybe we'll get some similar. Uh, it probably won't be Arkansas and Auburn, but maybe somebody else. Maybe Eli Drinkwitz will take some shots at at Brian Harson. He seemed to do that a couple years ago. So maybe we'll, he tries. Uh, maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll be back to that. But um, yeah. Trey, thank you so much for for hopping on to get, today. You guys can uh, Trey Biddy at Trey Biddy on Twitter. You guys Hog Sports dot com keep up with them them and their team um do an awesome job over there of course we'll be linking back up with them closer to game time as again this seems like a pivotal game for auburn good opportunity at home on arkansas side they feel like this is you know, they've got an opportunity to get them now and they feel like they're in the better places of program so long way away we'll see what it looks like in october but at this current juncture seems like a really interesting game in the sc west so thank you so much to trey for hopping on today if you guys enjoyed the show please go leave us a five-star review that's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, which will be Mississippi State, which obviously uh, had a big comeback in Jordan Hare last season. Auburn will be looking for revenge in Starkville's here. We will be previewing that game later on in the week. Until that episode, we'll catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.